Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging, and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is someone who I know can achieve that goal. I've known him for a long time, has a lot of great experience in healthcare, and his name is Rusty Yeager. He's Senior VP and CIO at Encompass Health. Welcome, Rusty. Hey, John. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm not sure why I didn't have you on sooner. I should have. Uh, I don't know. That's on me. <laughs> yeah, because they have such great insights. But those that don't know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself and Encompass Health. Okay. I've been at Encompass Health for 21 years now. Um, and I, I separated from the Air Force uh, right at the 2000 tech boom, wanting to try you know, public health care. And so a friend of mine, you, many of you might know him, Randy Carpenter, asked me, well, come on over here to Birmingham, Alabama, and, uh, you know, I got a job for you as director of infrastructure. And I said, well, Randy, I'll come over there, but I, I'm just doing that for the interview practice. I, I, I don't really want to move over there. And when I moved over here, I fell in love with the mission. I fell in love uh-huh. with the community. And 21 years later, here we are. Um, so and a little bit about Encompass Health. So we're a little different. Um, We own and operate 151 inpatient rehabilitation hospitals. Um, 55 of those are joint ventures with folks like maybe around in the audience, acute care hospitals, um, academic medical centers, um, and 55 of those. So every year we discharge about, well, every year now, because we're growing so big, about 203,000 patient discharges a year. Wow. Um, And about 4.2 billion in revenue. And we serve about 31% of the Medicare inpatient rehabilitations, uh, you know, uh, patients across the United States. Uh, recently, we, uh, over the last two years, we got some great uh, accolades from the community. We were modern healthcare best places to work in 21 and Fortune's most admired company in 22. So really some great stuff going on here. I got a great team. They keep me out of trouble. i you know, I was mentioning earlier, I don't do IT. I just talk about it. So we'll, let's talk about it. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think it is a little bit different, right? I don't think we've had a CIO from rehabilitation hospitals. I, maybe there's one or two in their portfolio, I guess. But uh, what makes being the CIO of an inpatient rehabilitation hospital maybe different than some of the other acute care hospitals out there? Yeah, it, it is different. Um, and it's probably good to talk about what an inpatient rehab hospital does. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, sure. So we uh, do PT, OT, speech for patients that need inpatient rehabilitation post their acute care stay. So typically these patients are, have a stroke, they've got a brain or spinal injury, dysfunction, mm-hmm. uh, neurological condition, and they need care post their acute care stay. Um, So we actually get involved with those patients before they come to us. And what we do there is we evaluate their ability to do inpatient rehabilitation care because they've they've got to be able to do it um, for three hours a day while they're in our hospital, according to the guidelines. And so we need to make sure that they're, uh, you know, good for the program and are able to do that. So that's the first encounter we have from an IT perspective. So we have salespeople, clinical liaisons that go in and evaluate the patient. Uh, We capture that all electronically and we pull that into uh, a physician view so the physician can actually evaluate and make sure the patient can 
uh, you know, is eligible for inpatient rehabilitation care. So a lot of even going on two or three days in advance before our admission. Um, so we are less complex. We got a single sole for focus, which is to get that patient back home to the goals that they want to have. So we're we are on that mission. We don't have EDs. We don't have. We're not doing surgeries and the like. But we are 24 by 7, 365, like any other hospital. Um, and we have doctors and nurses and pharmacists and, and the complement of that. We typically outsource lab and radiology services, um, okay. but then they um, they interface back into our system and we have a full EMR, which we'll probably spend some time on. Um, one of the things that we do, which is probably different from uh, a lot of the acute care hospitals, is we're intensely centralized. So we have a single database for our EMR and we have a single IT support organization for the company. And so the company has about 33,000 employees that are working with us you know, at any one time. Of course, it's 24 by seven, but typically about 12 to 13,000 people are working in our EMR in a single day. Wow. And we do that from Birmingham, Alabama. So if you've got a problem <laughs> in our hospital, um, you call us 1-800-CALL-ITG, and we fix their problem from here to the extent we can. So the, we do everything with the exception of really physical hardware changes or modifications from here. Uh, and that is, you know, uh, our ability to scale that has been uh, really a, a great benefit for the actual users of IT as well for the economics of the organization. You know, IT has gotten so specialized that a lot of times our hospital CEOs will ask us, well, I need an IT person. Well, the <laughs> IT person weird. that you get today can't do all the things in that hospital that you would you would like them to be able to do because, you know, this, this thing is so scaled out that they wouldn't have the abilities to do that um, because it's run here. And so sometimes we will allow that, but typically um, all of it is run out of here. And in fact, we have what we call IT liaisons out in those hospitals okay. that are actually, um, they've got a full-time job, but they volunteer to kind of serve as the go-between sometimes. So some of them are therapists, some of them are controllers of our hospitals, things like that. So they're kind of our eyes and ears out in, in the hospital. So we do that with about 198 IT people and about 56 clinicians that are on our, our clinical EMR team. I, I probably spend more time on technical challenges um, than the average acute care uh, CIO would. Um, one of the reasons is we can't buy anything off the shelf. Um, mm. We are the largest inpatient rehabilitation provider, and a lot of our other re rehabilitation uh, competitors, for lack of a better term, aren't scaled up to be able to do the things that we're doing from an IT perspective. So there's not a lot of uh, business activity in inpatient rehabilitation. So when, when people come to us to try and sell us something, we have to make sure that we can, we don't want to customize anything, but can we configure it to our particular workflows and requirements for inpatient rehabilitation? Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And I want to dive into that centralization of IT in a second, but I just think about what you described. I think you said 50 partners, if I remember, that you know you work with. It feels like that referral and that interoperability of data matters a lot more to you than it does a lot of other organizations. It sounds like you've digitized that referral process. Is, is that how you approach it? 
Yeah, we, we really had to. I mean, the ability to scale was challenging. You know, it was faxing. It was, <laughs> okay, you, you find the fax, get it to the physician, have them sign that, then scan it into the record. Um, and when, when I first took over as a CIO, I was like, man, can't we just, you know, make digitize this? And it took us a little bit of time, but we were able to build an incredible, I call it the killer app because, you know, we've got it on an iPad, we've got it on PC and our clinical liaisons that are out in the field are taking a lot of data that then begins the care if the physician, uh, you know, is, is able to accept the patient. So all of that data starts before we even um, admit the patient. So from the interoperability perspective, uh, I think we've all kind of been there with it. <laughs> if you build it specifically for a workflow, then you get a lot of value out of it, right? If, uh, if we're moving ADT around, it's kind of challenging to get that. And we'll, we'll get there over time, but it was a, a business and clinical necessity for us to build something specifically for these workflows. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about your decision to roll out a, a standardized EHR across your, you know, your whole organization. You know, you've rolled out Oracle Cerner there. What was the really the key to success and, and maybe some of the outcomes of that decision to kind of standardize the EHR across all these different, you know, cl clinical locations? Yeah, there, it's a it's a really neat story. So about 2009, you know, the high tech act was in the offing and we started thinking 90% of our patients come from an acute care hospital. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have an expectation at some point that we're starting to do, uh, you know, interoperability. And this was, you know, before interoperability was really in the, <laughs> in the headlines, but we knew that would be something, uh, well, the prescient leadership of the organization knew we needed to do some of that. I have been, um, having done that in my past career in the Air Force, meaning rolling out EMRs, I was pretty scared. <laughs> I was thinking, what? We're going to roll out an EMR to, you know, this many hospitals at that time we had 98. Um, so I had that a little trepidation about that. Um, but I also reflected it as something that we needed to do. Um, so the organization, we did an RFP. We had several uh, folks respond to the uh, RFP. We tabled it for a little while, and then we got back to it. And there was there was three folks that were interested. Um, ultimately, we decided on Cerner because they had some experience in inpatient rehabilitation with uh, what used to be called the Rehab Institute of Chicago. Okay. Uh, and that that was interesting to us because, as I mentioned earlier, um, things aren't off the shelf for us. So we knew we were going to do need to do a lot of. Um, customization configuration to meet our particular requirements. So we, we went with Cerner um, and we call it advancing clinical excellence through IT, ACIT. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been a really good uh, rally point for the team. We're acing it. Um, so we rolled out to a de novo hospital that we built in Northern Virginia in June of 2010. Um, and it went pretty smooth. And then we rolled out to two more de novo uh, hospitals. It went pretty smooth as well. Okay, we're feeling pretty sporty about it. <laughs> but when you think about that, right? So this is a new hospital. A lot of our team members are new to inpatient rehabilitation. It, it was working pretty good. And so 
then uh, about 18 months later, we went to our first existing hospital and we went out to a hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. It had a really great CEO and began our implementation there. So there's when we hit some challenges, right? We've got a hospital that's been existent for 20 something years and they know inpatient rehabilitation better than a de novo hospital and my small team of, of clinicians know and they've got workflows that have been in existence for years and all that kind of stuff that is very typical in the acute care side, but sure. less typical uh, for us at that particular time. So we began working with them and I got a call one day and it's like, Rusty, you need to come out there and the, the CEO of that hospital was a, was a friend of mine and I said, okay, I'm, I'm out there. So when I got out there, uh, we, we had some challenges and, and we, we got together. I said, we, we've got to get together here. So I got the, the hospital clinical team and my clinical team together and, and we came to an understanding that we're all in the boat together and we're going to be listening and we're going to build this thing for you guys. And so we did that um, and it went over well. And then about 18 months later or two years later, we decided to go enterprise wide. Um, so over that time, we had 98 hospitals. It, we plan on a five-year rollout because that was our ability to, uh, to pay for the EMR as well as the change that it was happening to the whole organization, sure. right? So as that, as that went, went, we went on schedule, on time, and on budget, and it was, it was working out well. Um, so then we started thinking, man, we got this bolus of data that nobody else has. What can we do with that? And I sat with a meet, I sat in a meeting with one of our uh, senior VPs, and he said, if we could just affect this acute care transfer uh, ratio, that would be nice. And so it would be great for the patient. It's great for the company in terms of our outcomes. What do you think we can do? I'm thinking to myself, we've got all this data why don't we mine this data and see what the things are that people can't see, but the data can see. And so we approached Cerner about it. They were interested. Um, they had the data scientists. We didn't have data scientists. We had the clinicians that know rehab very, very well. Mm -hmm. Let's put them together. And they ended up building an algorithm. We call it REACT, reducing acute care transfers. And acute care transfers is not, is not a good thing for us. It's not a good thing for the patient, right? So yep. uh, when we, we went after that mission, we spent probably uh, 18 months crafting this. And then we rolled it out and we've been running it ever since, but it has had a great impact on those acute care transfers. Um, and the beautiful thing is with the number of patients that we discharge a year, if we can affect 1% of that, that's a lot of people. You know, at the yeah. time it was probably 1,500 people. You know, now it would be 2,000 people. Um, so that, that was our first real great outcome um, yeah. from using, putting it in. These hospitals were completely paper with the exception of, of, a, of an older pharmacy system. And in, in 10 weeks, they went from paper to one morning they walked in and it was completely electronic. And then, you know, let's call it a year or two later, they were getting in the workflow um, observations about a patient's condition that would have been hard for them to see in, even in an EMR, much less a paper-based re record. Yeah. Um, so it was really about process, standardized 
the process, which Encompass Health had done really well at. And then let's automate that process. Then we can scale it. Once we scale it, then we can get data at scale. And then we can use our clinical and business knowledge to infect you know, process improvement. And the best thing about that has been, then we're able to build it into the workflow. So it becomes natural. This is just how we do it. Like that old disco song, this is how we do it. <laughs> and we do it that way everywhere, right? So we got a single database. You know, all we really change is configuration issues. And so we can report business and cl clinical measures every day across that whole continuum of hospitals and episodes of care and all of that and drill into each of those with a system that we built. We call it Beacon, but it's essentially a BI system um, that has worked well to mine the Cerner data to give us visibility into, you know, what is happening everywhere. Well, it sounds like you aced it for both the patients and the uh, clinicians. So that, that's awesome. Yeah, I got to give it to the team. They, they're just incredible. Um, and we've been, we've been working together for seven, eight years now on it. And it's, it's really come together. Yeah. Well, it's great to see the data being used for something other than chasing government money. So uh, <laughs> I love yeah. it. Thanks for sharing. Unfortunately, we, uh, we did not get any government money. We uh, paid for this uh, on our own. Um, and we felt it was the thing we needed to do to support the healthcare in the community. And in fact, has worked out. Well, it's interesting also that you have it, you know, you kind of talk about the growth of, of Encompass Health. It sounds like you have an aggressive growth strategy there. You know, how does that, your EHR strategy align with that? Or, you know, are you to the point where when you acquire, you may just leave the EHR because I imagine many that you're acquiring now have an EHR, or are you still planning to centralize it as part of, you know, similar strategy you just described? Yeah. So the six to 10 is, is hospitals that we build. Um, and if we do joint ventures, then, you know, you're part of our joint venture arrangement is that we're going to get our system so that we can manage every hospital in a standardized format. Um, it, it, it works great because uh, almost three years ago, I got ass assigned the uh, responsibility for design and construction. <laughs> I go, wow. Okay. How does that go together? Well, it's really process too. Mm -hmm. um, so what did we do there? We, we went and we built a great team. We've standardized on the hospital uh, rooms, et cetera. And so we replicate that. And this year we're gonna open nine hospitals. We're gonna open nine next year. And in fact, we've gotten it so standardized um, that we're using some prefab construction that we just deliver on 18 wheelers. And there comes a room, wow. uh, a hallway in another room and just chunk them, set them right out. In fact. They work really good for bed addition. So in a mm. lot of our communities, you know, we're, we're at capacity and that gives us a very quick turnaround on being able to add capacity. Um, the EMR is standardized as well. And we put it in from day one. So you don't know any different. And by day two, we're able to reflect on the management and clinical things that are going on in that mm -hmm. hospital with everybody else. So we can, as a hospital comes on board, we can compare it to somebody in a similar position and, you know, then affect change where we need to affect change. Yeah. That's interesting. From a baselining perspective, you have all that data because it's so standard across your organizations. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
Well, over the years, we've, you know, I've seen you a lot of conferences. We've talked about a lot of technologies. Uh, I remember you telling me about voice and some efforts in voice that were, were successful with the organization. But what technologies or, or maybe projects do you see are kind of crucial to your current strategy? Yeah, we're, um, we need to modernize a couple of things. Um, our patient revenue cycle system, um, we need to modernize it. It is actually on 151 databases, hmm. um, and it's built specifically for us, um, but it is time to modernize that. So we are on a, a pilot project uh, with Cerner to put in their revenue cycle system. We'll put it in at one hospital as a pilot, and then we have a centralized business office as well. So we'll carve out a little piece of that business office to you know, evaluate that. And then if that is, is successful, uh, which we think it will be, it's going to provide us some good opportunities in the integration between Millennium. In this case, the pilot will be on Sorian uh, mm -hmm. to, for registration and other things. So the hospital folks, I think, are going to get a really good benefit from having to log into two different systems and admit patients. So we're pretty excited about that. I think the ability of some of the work flowing that we've seen uh, in the system will help our business office as well. So we're looking forward to that. We're also begrudgingly going more to the cloud. We're working on Office 365. <laughs> and uh -huh. I say begrudgingly because it's it's challenging from an operating expense perspective. Um, and that's really the, the only reason that we've been slow to go in there because we like the capabilities that present, um, but it's, it's costly as, as any of the CIOs out there will know. We've got about a third of our hospitals uh, on Office 365, so we'll be doing that the rest of the year. Um, we're also looking at our ERP and our supply chain systems in the future. So we're we're in a little bit of a rebuild mode uh, to set us up for the for the next few years. Um, and you know, on the EMR side, you know, we're going to continue to work with Cerner in the Post Acute Innovation Center. In fact. The last, we did two more algorithms. We did a readmission algorithm that used our home health data, an organization we used to own, as well as our data, and built a readmission algorithm. And one that is super great for our patients, and we just really are loving it. It's, it's only been out for about six or eight months, and it's a fall prediction mm. algorithm. So we used to use a fall prediction that was probably acute care based. Well, our patients are different, right? We're getting them up three hours a day and they have a propensity to fall because they're moving around. And so we thought, again, we've got all this data. So we mined that data and we've put together a fall prediction algorithm with Cerner's help, with the data scientists, our clinical teams, and we've seen a great reduction there in the fall prevention. Now, the other thing that we do do that is super important to all that kind of activity is to build a program. You can't just throw that IT out there and expect, <laughs> you know, the first thing that, well, I, I need to see the data and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really challenging with their academic medical centers that they really want to get to the bottom of it. So that was part of our impetus for building what we call the clinical beacon uh, so that we can show here's the things that are, are driving this algorithm in the workflow. So we took our click view environment hooked it up into Cerner on um, Smart on Fire. And, you know, most of the EMRs are challenged today to show trending and other things that are pertinent for that particular organization. Mm -hmm. That gave us the opportunity 
you know, to really give the clinicians, here's some trending. You know, when you walk in in the morning, here's all your patients in your hospital. And these top five are the ones that are sicker than the others. Concentrate on them first, and then you're in a better position for everybody's uh, quality of care. So it, that, that relationship with our innovation center has really paid, paid, paid dividends. Wow, that's some great work. So as I, you know, I, as I think about the hottest topic right now in the industry, it feels like workforce is the biggest challenge that many face in retaining workforce or whether it's your own IT staff or clinical staff. So on both sides of it, it's a challenge. What efforts are you making to really retain staff? Yeah, so uh, kind of you made it. There's two things, right? There's the IT staff and, you know, one of our biggest challenges is the clinical staff. On the IT side, we start with a mission. And the mission is if you take care of the caregivers, they'll take care of the patient and everything else will take care of itself. So when you get the mission, you can build culture. And then that culture will do what? It'll it'll breed self-accountability. Hmm. So this team that we that I've been working with, they're incredible. Uh, this year, we're, we've got about 5% uh, turnover in IT. Typically, we average about 4.75%. Um, and our average tenure um, is 13 years. Um, and that includes, you know, we've got a, a lot of uh, support, you know, organ, organization people that will kind of come and go. So we've got a long tenure in the, you know, the, the back office of IT, which is really enables us. And we know this business. So uh, we're pretty compelling there. In the hospitals, of course, everybody's doing everything they can, uh, you know, to to chase this, you know, limited resource. Uh, we've been using some cloud technologies that enable a much smoother interface to our potential uh, employees, as well as moving all of their data into the system as soon as we get it. Um, doing role-based stuff in our EMR, so. If somebody shows up to work, they can start working that day with their mm. training. Uh, so everybody's running at that one pretty hard, um, and, and we're doing the same. I think we're we're fine. We're finally starting to see a little bit of a turn down in it. Um, so we're we're happy about that. Yeah, it's going to be a battle for uh, I think years yeah. to come for many organizations. So yeah, we're in for the long haul. So we always like to wrap up our uh, CIO podcast with a little bit of career advice or career uh, perspectives. So what would you say is maybe the best piece of advice you've received in your career? So I'll say it and then I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later, but no, okay. <laughs> no. so learn to ask for help. Hmm. That's kind of hard to do. So is, as I came up through my career, as, as many of you guys out there did and gals out there, you got a lot of advice and it was good advice. And some of the best advice was, what do I do in this particular situation? That's good because you get it. And if it's good advice, then that really moves the organization forward. And especially as you're working up the ranks. Well, as you get up to the, the pinnacle of, a, of an IT person's existence, you're at the CIO level, you're not getting much advice, <laughs> right? Because you're the guy or gal that's supposed to know everything. And so what do you do? You got to learn how to, and it's counter to what you've done most of your career. You've gotten good advice, but you know, you, you it's counter to asking. You got to ask, 
So that was the best advice I've got. I struggled with it for a long time. I'm a lot more comfortable with it now, utilizing my Chime network and other networks, using the vendors for things because they see a lot of things that you don't see. You see your stuff. They see all kinds of other stuff. And so me learning how to ask for help, ask for advice has been the most compelling thing that I've gotten advice about. And it took me a long time to to internalize that. So I wholeheartedly re recommend it. And I'm a pretty shy guy. So that was that was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how shy you are, but uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, right? That whole juxtaposition between I should know, you know, I'm the boss, I should know this information. And yet, you know, how do I show, you know, leadership and, you know, uh, stability and confidence, but then also to be humble enough to say, I don't know everything and that I need help. Uh, I think you gave some great suggestions there about having a network outside of your organization as well to be able to connect and, and be able to be vulnerable and ask the hard questions that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. And we use it a little bit more discreetly too. And I, I call it, well, we got to get everybody in the boat. So <laughs> we'll come into a room together and okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And so it really circles up some of the, the, you know, the, the threads that if somebody were to pull on them could, you know, get the project to come apart. Uh, so we say, okay, everybody in the boat and we kind of look around. Yep. We're all in the boat. So we're in it together. Just like we talked about out in, in Phoenix is we're all in this together. It really, it really helps bind the team. And, you know, we build mutual respect that way. And then ultimately, ultimately the accountability goes along with that. Yeah. I'm impressed on how you bring people together in the same boat. I have a feeling some people listening or watching are going to want to check out jobs in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we hire remote, no problem for IT. Uh, <laughs> we're in search of a couple of security people. <laughs> I hear the coast is great in Bama though. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Rusty, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT, content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting channel. Thanks so much, Rusty. Thank you all.